Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today we're discussing She-Hulk with returning guest Jessica Plummer. All that more after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. This is Matthew. I'm your host. Use they, them pronouns. And I'm Jessica, your guest, using she, her pronouns. <laughs> Jessica, I'm so glad to have you on. I know a couple of times when you and I have been discussing um, comics in general, but also talking about women characters and the history of comics, uh, She-Hulk's character has come on, I've been mentioned a couple of times, and a while back we were talking and you mentioned that you were excited about the show, and so uh, you're just the perfect guest for me to have on. We're only two episodes into the show, but already so much has been established, so much has been taught to us. And so let me kind of just start there. Just general thoughts. What What's kind of your feeling about the show? And actually, let me just say also, for those who haven't seen it yet, we will be spoiling. So spoilers for episode one and two of She-Hulk. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. I really like that it is a sitcom. Like it's genuinely a sitcom, which obviously there's usually at least a little bit of humor in mm-hmm. every Marvel property, like since Iron Man, that was a huge element of it and a big part of why it was so popular. But this is like full out comedy. I guess yep. Guardians of the Galaxy would be the closest example, but we haven't seen anything like this in their television offerings. And it, I really enjoy it. I I like comedy and She-Hulk, I think, fits comedy really well. Mm-hmm. She is traditionally, she's had a couple of really beloved comedy series. Um, and I think it's a better fit for her than something really serious. So I'm very, I'm really enjoying the tone um, mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying, um, Tatiana Mosley's performance as Jen. Um, we can talk about the CGI, but <laughs> <laughs> other than that, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I think my reaction is kind of similar to yours. I, I love the character. I love the tone. I love what they're setting. I found the first episode kind of formulaic, uh, especially the whole, like, for whatever reason, uh, and Mage Bees, I've been watching too many of these things recently, when the two of them had a fight, I just rolled my eyes so much of like, okay, the heroes have to fight before they can really get along. This is what always happens. That's fine. Um, I, but I think especially because I was really looking forward to a legal show. And not necessarily like law and order levels of like objection, this legal n- nuance, but just dealing with... I just am so fascinated by all this idea of legal questions around superheroes. And so after episode one, I was excited, but I was a little cautious. After episode two, I'm all in. This is exactly the show I was I was really looking forward to. And I just think you're right. The actress is fantastic. CGI raises some questions. We'll talk about <laughs> some of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I just... It is very much just... It feels very much of a piece after Ms. Marvel, which I know you didn't see, but, like, Ms. Marvel was such a love letter to, like, teenage girls and, mm-hmm. and that world, and particularly the Pakistani-American, but also just in general. And this just feels like... It feels like very much of a piece, you know? Like, this mm-hmm. is... If that was the, like, Clarissa Explains It All of the MCU, this is the Ally McBeal of the MCU. I mean, I, like, I was going to watch Ms. Marvel anyway because Kamala's one of my favorite Marvel characters, but mm-hmm. it, it, the Clarissa Explains It All of the MCU would have sold me on its own. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. Like, after the first episode of She-Hulk, I was like, I enjoyed that, but I don't really know what to expect from the remainder of the show because obviously it's not just going to be Jen and Bruce on a beach right. together. Um, and so I think that this second episode really, uh, I'm assuming is a much better indicator of what the show is going to be about. Um, and I do, I'm interested to see how that plays out with the pacing of the overall show, because I do think that Marvel shows tend to struggle with that, or at least the Disney plus shows tend Mm -hmm. to struggle a lot with pacing, but uh, you know, of course we won't know that until a couple months from now. Well, and it's interesting because when I, my understanding is that originally the episode one was supposed to be episode seven or eight huh. and it got towards the end of the, towards the, like the last minute, they decided to move it up front in part because they wanted to be able to have banner, but also just because they felt like people were a little bit too confused in early episodes. And so, yeah, I think that, that also gives me some hope of if the pacing feels off or if the tone feels off, it may be because this was supposed to be a flashback episode. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I feel like it would logically fit 
there later and it also feels like the framing device was filmed really on the cheap. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That 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 feels very accurate, yeah. You know, and we also often have you on here for many reasons, but one is because you are so knowledgeable about comics. And you said that She-Hulk isn't the one that you necessarily have written the most about, but kind of talk about what you knew of the character going in and sort of how that affected how you've been seeing this so far. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I love Jen. I love She-Hulk. Um, I haven't, like, I consider myself well-read in a character when I've read every single one of their appearances. And I've read mm-hmm. maybe, like, half most of her solo runs, but not not a lot of her Avengers stuff, but all of her Fantastic Four stuff. So to me, I'm like, I know nothing, but uh-huh. I, I've read a fair amount. Like, yeah. A little bit more than most of my readers, probably. Right. Um, <laughs> most of my listeners. So, yeah. No, I, I really enjoy her. She's a very, very fun character. Um, so she uh, debuted in 1980. And um, the reason that they created her was because at the time... Um, the Incredible Hulk TV show was airing and um, the Six Million Dollar Man was also airing and had just had a spinoff, the, the Bionic Woman, and it was doing really well. And Marvel Comics got worried that the TV show would decide to create a female version of their hero the way that the Six Million Dollar Man had. Um, and if they did that, Marvel Comics would not own the rights to the character. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. So they were like, if there's going to be a female version of the Hulk, we need to get her to press before she shows up on TV and then we'll own those rights. I'm not sure how that would have worked if they had called her like Hulkette or something else horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, as Jen makes the point, there's no good version of that name. No. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so they like quickly, like Stanley and John Buscema, like quickly rolled out this comic in like two seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and the her origin, I mean, it's in the comics. Like she, she's a lawyer. She is taking on this dangerous case. Bruce is like, watch out, don't do that. Um, she gets shot by gangsters, and he gives her a blood transfusion to save her life. Um, okay. And that's how she becomes She-Hulk. And initially there's, it's got similar vibes of the Hulk where it's like, you know, the uncontrollable anger causing her to Hulk out and it mm-hmm. causes problems and whatever. Um, but by the late 80s, she had like a short series in the early 80s and then that was canceled. And then she got a new series in the late 80s after she'd been on the Fantastic Four and some other books for a while. And this was by John Byrne and he, written and drawn by John Byrne and he really defined the character and the tone of the character from then on out. He introduced the whole breaking the fourth wall thing, which I love that she does in the show. It makes me so happy. And it was all very sort of like cheeky wink, wink, nudge, nudge, a lot of cheesecake, but like Jen feels very much in on the joke. There's a lot of her like arguing with John Byrne like in the comic, she'll be like, this is a terrible plot line and I hate you. Or Uh she'll like, she'll be like, I don't, that's a really long trip. I don't feel like traveling all that way. I'll just walk to the next page. And she'll like climb through the pages of her book and stuff. So it's, it's very fun. Highly recommend that series. Um, and so the She-Hulk Deadpool crossover is probably somewhere being planned. I mean, like I'm, they must have idea. interacted. But yeah, she absolutely did the breaking the fourth wall before Deadpool did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd um, be kind of awesome if she was part of the way that Deadpool gets into uh, this world. But <laughs> She just like opens up a portal and he climbs mm-hmm. through. Yeah. Well, so what did you really like about her? What really appealed to you about this particular character? So the thing about... She-Hulk is that she's real. She's she is not, except in a very technical sense, she is not a female version of the Hulk, because the Hulk is very much defined by obviously uncontrollable rage and the burden that that brings with it. Like being the Hulk is a curse, Um, and that's something that's set out really, really clearly in the first episode of the show and the different ways that they interact with their abilities. Mm -hmm. But like being the Hulk is pretty much unequivocally bad for Bruce. It's been terrible. There's no, there's no upside really. Like it's awful. Um, Whereas Jen, I've seen her likened more to Spider-Man as a power fantasy because you have someone Mm. who's sort of a, 
you know, shy, mousy, overlooked person who gets exposed to radiation in one way or another, and all of a sudden is this witty, confident, desirable person who is having the time of their lives. Obviously, Spider-Man is also a sad sack, even when he's Spider-Man, because that's who Peter is as a person. Bless his heart. But he's having fun, right? There is a fun element to Spider-Man, and Jen really, like, she loves being She-Hulk. There are long stretches of the comics where she won't turn back into Jen because she it's not fun. She wants to be seven feet tall and green and able to juggle cars and everybody wants to date her. And she, like, she lives this like glamorous, high speed, exciting life. And for the most part, I'm not going to say she never has issues like she does in the second episode where like, being She-Hulk interferes with her ability to do her job, but it's pretty infrequent. Like she's basically able to have the job that she loves as a lawyer and be She-Hulk pretty much all the time and Mm -hmm. enjoy herself. And that's really fun to read. And that's awesome. Because I feel like that is something that it gives more context. One of the things I liked the most about that first episode, because I really loved, I know some people have gotten upset about it, but I, I think it's worth talking about the, the way that they kind of – they talked about Bruce's story as opposed to hers, you know, and I, I've read in some stories the idea that, oh, they're, they're saying that she's better than Bruce or that she suffered more than Bruce. I didn't get that at all. I felt like this was the first time – and I know because Universal still owns the Hulk to some extent, like they can't do a – Bruce Banner origin story again. Like, we have to be stuck with the Ed Norton one, which I, I think is better than many people think. But we've never really given him a chance to deal with, like, the pain of that and how horrible that was and all of that. He, he's been able to mention it, but I don't know. I, I found it really touching to get to hear hear him say all that and that as much, you know, as much as he was being pushy with her, what I saw was a person who has suffered so much and they see someone they love in danger of suffering like that and it kind of puts blinders on them. And and so she has to eventually like push back some and say, like, look, I'm not going to go through what you want to go through. And, and also he wants her to be a hero. And that's a topic we're going to get to in a second. But just on this point, I, I really felt like it was a really nice way of honoring like all that he has gone through and showing how hard he's worked, this whole binder he's put together. But also it would make sense that like the for me, a lot of the battle of the Hulk is the is the Hulk is the embodiment of all the most kind of toxic masculine like, you know, pure rage pure id and his struggle has been going through to to put those two in balance she's coming from a fundamentally different place in regards to anger and and rage and and how she would express it and so it it felt to me like it it was really honoring his story while also showing that hers would be different um what was your take on kind of how that whole all that went down yeah no i didn't think it was disrespectful to bruce at all i think also a lot of people A lot of people don't really understand how comedy works, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. And like, part of why the show has Bruce be like, oh, no, this is going to be terrible. And she's like, no, it's fine. Why are you talking to me like I'm a horse? Which made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Is because it made me laugh. Because it's funny. It's a joke. Like, it. it's funny. It's the same reason that like, you know, Thor is constantly falling down and hitting himself in the head in Ragnarok. Like... Right. Which is not something that he would do in one of, say, the um, the earlier Thor movies. Like, mm-hmm. because it's a different genre. And right. sometimes people act slightly differently or you have slightly different, I don't want to say punchlines, but reveals, which are punchlines in comedy. Right. When it, like, that's just how it works. Like, I see a lot of this, too, with... um you know, whenever, like, the Bat Family characters do comedy. It's like, they wouldn't act like that. Well, they will right now, because it's a comedy. Um, But also, um, like, this is totally unprecedented for Bruce, because, I mean, even the bringing in Abomination in the second episode, like, Bruce and Jen are not the only people who have experienced this in the MCU. Right. Jen is the first person, she's the first woman to be hulkified and she's the first one not to completely lose control um 
But also, yeah, like, I think you're exactly right. Bruce, it's not that Jen is better than Bruce. It's that patriarchy forces women to learn how to regulate their emotions and interrogate them and, like, mm-hmm. like just understand what they're feeling and process them with as little splashback on other people as possible. And it doesn't allow men to do that. It's incredibly repressive. And when you can't even acknowledge the feelings that you're having, yeah, anger is going to be highly destructive. And so I don't think that that's saying that Jen is better than Bruce. It's saying that patriarchy harms men and women in different ways, but it harms both of them. Yeah, and I think that's why episode two, to me, really helped to kind of put the period on that so much. Because, you know, episode one, you know, it is about the idea that, like, the the primary struggle that Bruce has had with being the Hulk is not a struggle that she's going to have, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of the anger regulation. But we quickly find out she's going to have a whole other set of struggles because of what it is to be a woman in the world, you know. And, and I, I like that balance, and I... I appreciate also what you said that that that's also in the comics that that they are so fundamentally different. Um, because it's funny the way you tell that story. Like, it, it kind of makes it even better the joke that they make about the the name. She Hulk feels like such a like lazy like. All right, we have a Hulk. Let's have a She Hulk. Mm-hmm. You know. So knowing it did come out just that way of like kind of like the He Man toys. You know, let's just like slap a name on it to not not be able to get sued when we do this in the TV show is just perfect. Can I just? Quick aside, uh, but this every time I think of She-Hulk's name, I remember this this thing that happened to me <laughs> years ago. I was in um, I was at Disney Springs, which is part of uh, Disney World in Orlando, mm-hmm. and it's like it's not one of the parks; it's like a shopping area. Um, so I was there with my sister, and they have a Marvel store. And for whatever reason, they had a bunch of She-Hulk stuff. Like they had a little section that was all She-Hulk stuff. There were like action mm-hmm. figures and shirts and stuff, and um, I turned to my sister and I said, jokingly, they have all this She-Hulk stuff, but they don't have any He-Hulk. That's sexist. <laughs> and okay. a male employee like teleported from the other side of the store. Oh he just God. appeared to be like, oh, there, there's a Hulk. <laughs> I was like, I I know it was a joke. He was like, "There's we have Hulk stuff over. There's a Hulk. We have a Hulk section over. It's over there." It's I was like, "I know who the Hulk is. I live in the world. <laughs> like I've been on this planet at a later date than 1977 or whenever the show. Like I know who the Hulk is." What were you saying about the uh, people who don't understand comedy? <laughs> I was just like, he could not get his head around the fact that I had made a joke and we had to leave the store. But every uh-huh. so often, my sister and I will just be like, can't believe there's no He-Hulk. Sexist. <laughs> that's so good. That's so good. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's, and that's a, that's a good kind of way to get into this question is, one of the things that I think is really – it's impossible not to compare her to Hulk. And obviously, like, the you know, this it's great because it's representation. It's getting more women characters out there. One of the things that I've I've been wondering about and that I know a lot of people have been asking this question, and I, wa- and I wonder if what you've just said is kind of part of the answer in terms of them being very different. You know, there's been a longstanding criticism going back to Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and others that, like, we're getting a lot of awesome women characters – we're not getting any that are like bulked out the way like Wonder mm-hmm. Woman is in a lot of the comics and stuff like that. And that with Hulk, especially, I think you would, you know, you'd think that she would be like probably a little smaller than Bruce, but kind of a similar, like, you know, bulging muscles out everywhere. That's very much not how she appears. And I'm wondering, is that, do you think in that part, that is part of the like wanting her to be distinctly different than Bruce um, versus just like wanting her still to be sexy, even though she's green and super powerful? Which I think can be very sexy to people, don't get me wrong, but Yeah, I think you're giving them way too much credit. They just wanted okay. her to still be hot. That's all okay. it is. In a very, you know, as you caveated in a mainstream way. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. There um, is like I mean, there's a there's a she thing who is much it is big rocky monster. So it's not that right. they don't have um mm-hmm. It's not that Marvel has no characters like that, but they have few. 
I'm well, sure somebody I mean, has a crush on she thing. I mean, anyone who watched the reaction, particularly of young girls who wanted the toys to Louisa from Encanto should know that like big, bulky, super strong women is not a thing that you can't be popular with. Mm -hmm. um, but I can also understand that if that's the way she was written all this time, having her appear very different would would not work. I mean, I don't think this show is particularly equipped to go too off model of the mm -hmm. mocap body that they've got, <laughs> to yep. be perfectly honest. That CGI, yeah. So so answer me this, just in terms of appearance, because this is the one that makes no sense to me. Why does her hair straighten when she becomes... She has this gorgeous curly hair, and it straightens, and like... I don't know, they haven't said she's Jewish, but there was a part of me that was just kind of like, what, what? why can't we have gorgeous curly hair? What's going on here? Because curly hair is really hard to animate. Oh, is that it? Okay. That's, that's it. Fair. Yeah, that's why, like, when Brave came out, Merida's hair was such a big deal. And, like, as somebody who has red curly hair, I had people going, like, oh, they made a movie about you? Like, it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it's just because it's harder to animate. But it does. Uh, and maybe there is some subconscious idea of, like, straight hair is more glamorous, is more attractive, whatever. I mean, her mm -hmm. mom even has that line that's, like, or... Some somebody in her family has a line about like, oh, I know a stylist who can make your hair right. look more like She-Hulk. So like, it's definitely like embedded into the show consciously, this idea mm -hmm. that straight hair is more desirable, which of course has, as you pointed out, um, troubling implications for many ethnicities yeah, um, definitely, definitely. across the board. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just because it's, it's easier to animate, which I'm like, then <laughs> why didn't you straighten Tatiana's hair? Like, yeah, it's weird. I mean, I, I think she looks so good with the curls that I'm kind of glad they didn't. But oh, yeah, agreed. It, but it's because at least one of the animations, you see the hair like drag down. Mm -hmm. and it's just like, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about some of the questions that the characters are dealing with. But is there anything else in terms of like her as representation and sort of what the character means to you and how you feel about what they're doing with her? I mean, I just, I hope they let her sort of continue to have fun. So they are, they did sort of steer a bit into the Hulk is a burden mm -hmm. in a different way than that being the Hulk is for Bruce, but they still did it. And I was, I didn't love that. And I've, you know, it's mm -hmm. only the second episode. I'm perfectly willing to see where things go from there. Um, and even like the, the job that she has where she's like working in superhero law for this one particular very high powered law firm is also from the comics. Like they're drawing very directly on the source material oh, here. So okay. yeah, that's from the, I want to say 2004 series by Dan Slott. Mm -hmm. Um, but like a, those characters are straight out of the comics. Um, like there's a, there's a bit you can see when she's walking, she's being walked through the office and you can see into another employee's office and he's just got a wall of comic books. And that's mm. because in the Marvel comics universe, that's all admissible evidence as like historical fact. <laughs> they can be Hilarious. like, look, Captain America did X, Y, Z in this issue. Um, uh -huh. And so I don't know if they're going to bring that up again or if it was just an Easter egg, but it did make me smile. Um, but yeah, I just, I obviously I want her to have problems because that's <laughs> how a TV show works. Like it can't just be right. smooth sailing, but I would prefer it if the problems are not because being She-Hulk is a burden and a curse. Mm, I can see that. Yeah, like I think it's very interesting that, especially like you said, if in the books she is She-Hulk like most of the time, mm -hmm. um, that's just how she interacts in the world. And then in this, so far at least, and granted we're only two episodes in to a nine-episode run, she doesn't want to be, and it's the law firm that kind of wants her to always be. Mm -hmm. Which, which, because to, to me that's a very that's a very different take on it. Because now this is something about like now we're talking about like forced appearance, and um, I mean this ties into like you know what hairstyles are appropriate at work, what what people can wear at work, mm -hmm. all these questions that do primarily fall on women and people of color and queer people and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I would I would like it if they maybe got out of that and made it more about just her kind of learning to love this side of herself. Mm -hmm. 
So let's talk about some of the questions that um, she is dealing with. Uh, first, in terms of like going to work at this law firm, um, I, I will say, first of all, I don't know if you had any of these thoughts or maybe because it's in the comic books and you, you knew where it was going. I was kind of nervous. We're, we're in a culture right now where, you know, I think a lot of folks, particularly a lot of the folks who listen to the show, have not the greatest feelings towards cops and prosecuting attorneys and stuff like that. And I... I was not sure how I was going to feel about nine episodes of rooting for a DA or an assistant mm-hmm. DA. Um, and so as bad as this new law firm she's going to seems, I, I, I was definitely kind of happy that we ended that part pretty quick. Did, did you have any kind of similar feelings there? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i with you on not particularly wanting <laughs> to root for the state um, mm-hmm. for nine episodes, um, although we may just end up in... I guess just eight episodes of defense attorneys are evil, which isn't yeah. <laughs> which isn't much better. Um, maybe she, I don't know. I know he's going to show up later, but maybe she needs to go work at uh, Nelson and Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be that. That th- th- this. I'm surprised they haven't yet. I don't think they've yet mentioned the firm that Foggy winds up going. What, what is it? What's the I, th- I want to say Nelson and Hart, but I think that's actually the evil law firm from Buffy and Angel. Um, what, um, what's the law firm that? Oh God! That Foggy's girlfriend works at at first. You know what I'm talking about. I do. It's been so long. I used to have all. I could have rattled all of them off. Jessica, I'm gonna have to tell Matt that you didn't have perfect knowledge of Daredevil. <laughs> no. Charlie Cox is gonna be so disappointed in you. He will. That <laughs> okay, man well. loves Daredevil so much. <laughs> Well, clearly, but it's interesting that they haven't mentioned that yet. I'm sure that we we will at some point. Um, but yeah, what do you think of the kind of the, the the take on law that she's now being pulled into? I'm interested to see where it goes. I mean, right now, it's like, I mean, not to harp on Daredevil too much, but obviously Daredevil was a show very much constructed around ethical questions with a lawyer Mm -hmm. as the main character and everybody he knows also works at this law firm, all two of his friends. Um, And it really, it spent a lot of time considering those questions. Whereas obviously episode two of She-Hulk does frame a moral question, which is like, can Jen defend the abomination in order to keep her job, even though he tried to kill her cousin. But it doesn't really present it in the context of what uh, a lawyer's ethical obligations are, if that makes sense. Like, she tries to recuse herself because she has a conflict of interest. Um, And, like, she, she gets fired from her first job because the jury has been compromised because she saved their lives. So there are, there moments where it's that those ideas are introduced and then they're dismissed very quickly. Um, the show doesn't ask, you know, does Emil Blonsky have the right to a uh, fair and impassioned mm-hmm. defense? Um, right. That that's not on the table at all. Um it doesn't even really explain, like, I know that the reason that they're taking his case pro bono is for the attention, but it, that, I'm, I'm not clear on <laughs> why in this particular case that is being viewed as a good thing. Right. Um, so I, I think those are interesting questions that we can definitely get into the meat of, but given the tone of She-Hulk, I don't know if they ever will. That's interesting because I I think you're right. the 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 questions of it were so, were somewhat subtle, but I did think one of the biggest questions was the question of like, well, it, maybe here you're right because like the question of does someone who is unrepentantly terrible still deserve a good lawyer fighting for their parole? They kind of sidestepped that question by actually posing a different one, which is what if actually Blonsky abomination is actually much more morally sympathetic than we would think mm-hmm. um and it did seem like that was a, and, and to me that's the i i here here i will speak heresy a bit i love daredevil very much it's probably my favorite of any marvel property but i was a little frustrated because i 
I'm the child of two lawyers. I'm a philosophy major. I love the ethical questions around what happens to a legal system when there are superheroes. You know, and Jessica Jones dealt with this somewhat, but I was a little frustrated that like Matt spent so little time in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. Um, and so much in part because Charlie Cox looks really good in a suit, but also <laughs> much more importantly, just because like the, the legal questions. And so I got really excited when they did that thing about Blonsky and like, because and I, I, I think the thing at the end is supposed to be it's not that he's escaping because it was all lie. It's he's escaping to go fight with Wong the way we saw at the end of uh, Shang-Chi. But um, like, I thought the case that he made of. You know, look, I was a soldier. I was being given orders to do this thing, and I was told to take these chemicals to make myself a better soldier, and it did these terrible things to me, and I feel a lot of remorse, and now I'm writing these poems that are pretty terrible, but at least I'm trying. Um, I think it's obviously going to become a little more complicated, and he's probably not as sympathetic as he's being made out to be, but I thought that was a really interesting ex example of, like, taking someone who'd been a pretty two-dimensional villain and trying to make them a lot more nuanced. What, what did you think of the, the Blonsky presentation? I mean, we were just following orders. Uh, certainly is a, a defense with some precedent. No, I'm kidding. Um, I I think it's interesting. Um, it's definitely a very funny scene. It was one of those things. Like I didn't. I didn't trust him for a second. He's right. like he delivers it in such a slimy way that I was like, I don't believe you i could be wrong um oh, that's fair and like he has a valid point to make like has anything ever happened to general ross or whoever was in charge i'm assuming it was general ross I it's mm -hmm. been a very long time since i watched that movie and i didn't right. pay a ton of attention <laughs> um sorry ed norton um but like there there are many, many, many times in the MCU that the state has been complicit in pretty awful things. And mm -hmm. uh, you just find the scary monster character, the person in a costume, and you throw them in a supermax prison and you move on with your life. Which is, I mean, that's how superhero comics work all the time. Like, Superman can't throw Lex Luthor in jail because he has plausible deniability. So he throws... Right. Metallo in jail or whoever Lex hired. Um, but I'm interested to see where that goes while mm -hmm. not having a lot of faith in character <laughs> called Abomination. I think that's very, that's very like, and you're right. I, I, I think if it was just a, I was just following orders without question. Yes, that, that is an argument that is not well taken. Um, to me, I think they made it more of like, I could believe that he felt that stopping the Hulk was a matter of importance in national security. Um, and I think that was more the, but, but I think, cause yeah, I, 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 I would, I don't think I would want it if they got to a point where they're like, Blonsky's great. He's a hero. Abomination's going to fight <laughs> alongside um, uh, our, our other heroes now, but having an idea of like, yeah, okay. He probably should have known better, but the people who like, he's still the foot soldier, the people who pointed him in places. And it does make, I mean, this is one of those times also where I think real life is maybe making it not quite the story it could be because mm -hmm. they have been they have been using Thaddeus Ross con in continuing ways. Uh, but of course, the actor who played him, William Hurt, passed away recently. Mm -hmm. And I do wonder if he hadn't, if that character would have been a part of this show at all. Yeah. Um, or even if, even if so, if the memory of him, like I met, I imagine, I imagine they're not going to recast him. They're just going to say that like the, the character has died. But I would love it if they did get to these. I'd love it if there was some discussion of like, is this more that person's fault? And, and why was that person rewarded and Blonsky punished? Mm -hmm. But I think it would have been, it, I mean, there's many reasons to be sad that William Hurt has passed away, obviously. But I do think it would have been great to have him involved in this in some way. Yeah. Yeah, that could have been really interesting. I also, side note, fascinated by your origin story that you slipped in there. Two lawyer parents. Explains oh, yes, yes, everything. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, I suppose that is a large part of my origin story as <laughs> uh, an ethics podcaster and uh, uh, legalism stuff. Yeah, no, it's very true. And I um, uh, I watched some of the first Daredevil with my mother, um, mm. who was also kind of frustrated that um, uh, or I think we were talking about. It. I, I I'm so bad at remembering uh, exact uh, uh, details of when things happened. But it was seven um, years ago. I think you yeah. get a pass. Exactly, exactly. But I remember her, her and I definitely would talk a lot about kind of some of the legal questions that came up and stuff like mm -hmm. that. It's part of why Civil War is another one of my favorites and why I am so frustrated that the last half of that movie becomes about 
the anger at uh, Winter Soldier for maybe killing his parents. Because, like, yeah. no, no, go back to the Accords. That's the interesting part. <laughs> but I want all these movies to be boardroom discussions, and that's not what everybody wants. So No, probably not. Well, so and I'm glad you did bring up uh, Matt Murdock because, and this is kind of a way to kind of go back into the comic stuff and then get into the last big ethical question I want to ask about her being a hero. You know, one of the central tensions I know from both the comics and in the show for Murdock is he believes in the legal system. He wants to use the legal system to, to make the world better, but he recognizes that the legal system is broken and that people fall through the cracks and that bad people escape punishment. And so often Daredevil is the, like, you know, there's that early episode where he, like, legally defends a person and gets them proven not guilty because he gives them the best defense they can and then goes and beats them up because it's like mm-hmm. he his idea of justice as Daredevil is different than the idea of, like, lawyerly justice as Murdoch. Does, does She-Hulk have any of that same kind of dichotomy or is it much more, like, she, she seems much more fun than the, like, dark, jaded, cynical, the legal system is terrible, I have to fight people and all that yeah it's primarily it's a lot goofier um Uh which uh is fine i i can't i'm trying to think of specific court cases like storylines from the comics the details of the actual legality um you know there's a lot of because her Matt is what's called a street level hero and right. Jen is much more on the Avengers Fantastic Four level like she's not quite a cosmic mm-hmm. hero but she you know there's a lot more right. capes and people throwing cars at each other um and so like there are cases where she has to argue in front of like cosmic judges and like defend the fates of planets and stuff it's a lot it's it's interesting okay less about ethical quandaries i will say there is a delightful storyline um from the uh charles sewell written she hulk series in the first half of the 2010s don't remember the exact year um where matt and jen oppose each other in court oh interesting um and she's defending i I guess where this is going go ahead well she's defending Captain America um, because at that point Steve had, because of comic book malarkey was physically the age that he should be chronologically. So he's like very old. He can't be Captain America anymore. I think that's when Sam had become Captain America. And this guy comes out or these people come out of the woodwork and they're like, Oh, when Steve Rogers was a young man, he got our, relative killed and he needs sand like they they press charges against him it's a whole thing and so he asks jen to defend him and he asks matt to oppose him and uh i love this they go like because jen's like matt what is wrong with you why would you take this case and matt's like steve asked me to and jen's like that's (laughs) weird so they go through this whole case and it turns out that like the obviously like the people who are trying to who are opposing Captain America are shady and the shadiness is exposed, but also like the case is resolved. And at the end of it, they're like, Steve, why did you do all of that? And he's like, well, I knew that there was a supervillain lurking behind all this and I wanted to draw them out and blah, blah, blah. I can't really punch so good anymore. So I wanted you guys to help. Um, And Matt's like, but why did you ask me to take, to represent your opponents? And Steve was like, because I knew that you would give the best argument possible and you would never rest until you had uncovered the truth. And I needed my name to be cleared and nobody could like ferret out any wrongdoing on my part better than you could. I knew that you would do it even if you didn't want to. And Jen's like, and why did you ask me to defend you? And he goes, cause I wanted to win. <laughs> I love that. It's so good. See, I, I love that version where I thought you were going to go. Cause I do know that at some point in the comic, she Hulk and daredevil get together um, and there's such a trope of the two characters physically fight and it turns into foreplay. And so I was going to kind of love if for Daredevil and She-Hulk, it was they oppose each other in court and that turns into foreplay. And the look on your face is telling me that maybe I'm wrong about <laughs> the fact that they get together. But certainly that, that a number of things that I've read have said that that is a thing that happened. But maybe I'm not that I know of unless I miss something. Uh huh. 
I'm also a few months behind, so who knows? Okay. I'm going to quick Google that. Okay, so I think uh, it's possible things I learned on the, read on the internet were wrong. So that is not a romance that is canonical yet. Um, yet, but it should be. Well, you know, there you go. I mean, well, I was going to say Jen has better taste, but I don't know that she does. <laughs> she's made she's made some poor choices. I, she hooked up with Tony, so Matt's pretty much right in the same wheelhouse of, oh, no. I mean, I get it, but no. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. Um, uh, and, well, and we do know a little bit about uh, Jennifer's uh, fascination with certain parts of the sexuality of Avenger characters that we'll <laughs> get into at the end here. Um, but so to me, I think the last big question, and probably my favorite, because it's been one of my favorites throughout this whole thing, is, you know, going back to Spider-Man, who you compared her to, the, the central idea of Spider-Man is, with great power comes great responsibility. Um and, and I've actually talked in this podcast before about how I think that's really problematic and that it can often be one thing I liked a lot about the Netflix MCU shows is that particularly with Jessica Jones and Luke Cage is it sh- it showed a lot that the assumption of like you have to be a hero you have to use this power for good if you have all this power one thing it assumes that like you're going to be able to do that safely in a way that's much easier for white men than it was for either Luke Cage or Jessica but also, yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on a person and kind of takes away a lot of their agency. Um, and so I'm really enjoying Jen kind of pushing back against Bruce on that, though I imagine she's going to be somewhat heroic by the end of this. But yeah, I'm kind of curious, like, what, what's your take on that question and the way the show is approaching it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the way that I have always interpreted with great power comes great responsibility is more you got to do something um like the um that sort of paraphrase from the kabbalah that's um you are not obligated to complete the work but neither are you free to abandon it mm-hmm. like you you have to do some good with what you've got um right. and i do like that jen responds like if she was like no i'm just going to do whatever i would have trouble liking her as a character Mm -hmm. um i mean obviously like the refusal of the call is very standard storytelling like if she stayed refusing it the whole show that would be frustrating but i like that she responds with i do want to help people as a lawyer that's why i went to law school like i think that's super valid and you know not to keep bringing up daredevil but when matt's like i have to help people and foggy's like that's why we're lawyers (laughs) like it's a valid way to help. And there are, you know, there are some superheroes here and there or characters in both Marvel and DC who are like doctors or nurses who are like, Mm -hmm. actually I'm better at this than I am at being a superhero. So I'm going to keep being a doctor and not doing the other stuff. Um, People keep offering to train Claire Temple or to like make mm -hmm. her be powered in some way. She's like, no, I'm just going to take care of your broken asses. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So I like the acknowledgement that there are other ways to help. And I think it's also really interesting that like she keeps asking, should I have let the jury die? And everybody's like, no, obviously not. You made the right choice. Um, Which she did. (laughs) Like unquestionably she did. Should I have let the jury die to keep my job is not... Yeah. A complicated question. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't really have a good conclusion there. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think it makes sense. And, like, I think later in the episode, we see some ways that she can't get legal jobs for, for not great reasons. I do think the idea, like, if I'm on a jury and someone literally saves my life, I am going to be positively, mm-hmm. you know, attuned to her now in a way that is going to make me a biased juror. Like, I think that's yeah. a legit uh, point. Although you can bring the lawsuit again. That, that Again, I'm trying not to get law and order legal minutia about the whole right. thing. But it's but tough, I, too, because, like, it's not tough. You have this question of, like, everybody knows that Jen Walters is She-Hulk. So right. how does that play out in court? Nobody knows that Matt Murdock is Daredevil. Which is actually much more ethically compromising in many cases. So, like, it makes things easier for him. But that doesn't mean that it's better for the cases to be, you know, 
if that ever came out, every judgment that had ever been made for any of his cases would have to be thrown out the window, which of course is why oh, Foggy yeah. has ulcers. Yeah, I mean, and, and with, like if I was a low-level criminal and some lawyer defended me and then I felt like he wasn't giving – I mean, I think Mert Matt would probably do his best, but like, you know, later find out that in his spare time, Matt beats up people like me, I'd be like, I, I don't think you gave me your best effort. Like, <laughs> I don't think you were fully committed to me just getting justice. Um, but, but back to the She-Hulk of it all. Yeah, I, I think it's really I, – I agree with you that I think that there's a difference between like what Hulk is asking is one extent, is one extreme – and the other is like, no, I'm just going to go into corporate law. I'm going to make my money and I'm not going to care about anyone. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I would morally judge a person like that. I, but I think what the show is pushing back, if Hulk has this idea of the fact that you have these superpowers means that you cannot live your normal life. You have to give all that up and become this hero. And, you know, that's why Peter Parker can't be with Mary Jane in some versions Ugh. of it. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I really like this. And I thought it was also interesting because the show also puts another spin on it. Um, the very first words that she says into the camera in the very start of episode one are about responsibility and power. And I'm talking mm -hmm. about how those who have great power have responsibility. But now she doesn't mean you have power to use it in a positive sense. She means if you are ex exercising great power in the world, you have a power, you have the responsibility not to be doing negative things with it. And she's talking about, you know, it's never quite clear what the case she's bringing is, mm -hmm. but it's, it seems something about like if you have all this great, you know, industrial power or something, you have a responsibility not to be polluting or something like that. Right. Um, it's almost know, a way. Hippocratic oath: do no harm. Yeah, it's a Hippocratic oath. It's a like you know, people who get mad at like you know, corporate want more like corporate accountability or like you know, banks that are not you know, bank you know, banks giving banks. loans, <laughs> just <laughs> banks. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know. <laughs> All the things of like, why don't you feel any responsibility towards your your customers, your clients, instead of just making your profit? And I, I think that's a very legitimate question. And it's so interesting because it is that question of power and responsibility, but completely flipped on its head. Because now yeah. it's not about you have the power to do good. It's about you have the power, so you shouldn't do bad with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think also because when you, as you're talking, I was thinking about like Bruce's perspective on this, not to bully Bruce, even though it's very easy. But <laughs> how much good has he done compared to the like, what's his what's his points total if this was the good place? Like, you know, he he trashed Harlem. But he did help but the Avengers in the first movie. I was gonna say he trashed Harlem, but he saved Midtown, which Knowing the populations of both yeah. of those neighborhoods is a sort of like, but yeah, I mean, I think to be fair, during the Battle of Midtown, I personally was only a couple blocks away. I was within that uh, radius. That's where my office was at the time. So okay. I appreciate that he <laughs> saved my own personal life in Talk the MCU. Talk about lack of gratitude, but you're still like, you know, that that gives me a lot of points. But yeah, no, I think he. Well, I mean, it's interesting to take note of it. He. He was instrumental in stopping uh, Loki. He was um, a big part of taking down Ultron eventually. Who he helped um, build. Yes, with Tony. <laughs> with Tony. Um, Being Tony's friend is like, you've caused a lot of problems. Just like, don't don't encourage you know, that I'm, man. I'm, I'm a little more team Tony than most people. and I, I love I, Tony. I, I definitely tear. I think it is very understandable why so many people are angry at Tony in, in the story at this point in time. But but seeing Bruce, like just the like the TS and BB, I, oh god, I really teared up. I thought it was beautiful to see how much Bruce, like yeah, th they were science bros together. And that the the show every so often kind of glancing along the edges of what must be Bruce's extremely profound grief, like. I was thinking about it. Tony's dead. Steve is dead. Natasha is dead. Thor's not hanging out on Earth. So, like, I'm imagining every so often Bruce and Clint meet up and just sit really sadly in silence and then yeah. go their separate. Like, it's re it's it's actually very sad to think about. Um, and yeah, I love that friendship. Like, I'm. Again, I am willfully bullying Bruce because it's fun. <laughs> but also, like, 
it's just a funny thing for him to say, like, you have to be She-Hulk all the time because that's better for the world. What proof do you have of that, sir? See, what I took from it, and this is one thing where, like, I think it is a fault, a, a kind of mistaken thinking, but an incredibly believable one, is to me, he's on his own redemption arc. Mm. Because what he means is, for him, because as the Hulk, there are times where you're going to cause incredible damage and harm that has to be made up for the fact that you do all this good. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I, I do think there's also part of like, he's seen aliens invade the world and all these terrible things. And he, you know, um, but yeah, I, I was just thinking, cause he's, he's off on Sakaar when um, civil war happens. And I, I, I understand why, because I kind of think, like, whichever team he's on is just going to win. Um, <laughs> but I would have been very interested to see which side he would have come down. I think he would have been on Team Tony, but I think he probably would have also been wanting, trying to, like, talk Tony down some. Um, yeah. The other thing I would hope for, and I, I, in the comics, Tony is sort of a mentor to Riri Richards, right? To Ironheart? Um, yeah. I... I want her to like be on her own to a large extent, but it's, I would really love it if Bruce plays a little bit of that role when we, Aww. I think she's getting her own show or her, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly. She's coming in, but she is coming in. And like, cause a, we don't get to see Bruce, the science guy that much anymore. Yeah. Um, in part, cause last time he was super science guy, he built Ultron. Not so great. Well, actually um, I was thinking he did help undo the snap. Cause didn't he build the oh, whole, yeah, that's right. so actually probably, he he does have a positive point total just for that alone. So I right. I rescind my right. <laughs> my dunking on Bruce. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. he doesn't do a, a ton of science anymore. And that would be, but also in that same like him stepping in for the role Tony would normally play. Like yeah. I would really love that for Bruce. That would be really sweet. Oh, oh. and like Mark Ruffalo could continue to get probably millions of dollars for <laughs> showing up for a minute and a half in whatever clothing he was already wearing. <laughs> Which, yeah, it's true. I, good for him, I guess. Have to do any makeup because it's all CGI. I'm I'm assuming presumably he actually acts out the scenes so that they can right. replicate that possibly in mocap or I don't know exactly how it works, but yeah, like it's not like he's got a real costume or just rolls right. up when they're ready to shoot and pretends to talk not on the bad, phone. Not a bad gig. Not a nice bad work gig. if you can get it. <laughs> So, is there any other, <clears throat> any other last things about She-Hulk you wanted to bring up or get into? It can be like there's not. A, I think all this discussion is gonna be tinged with ethics. So, any other last things you, just in part of why you're loving it or importance or like specific questions we haven't gotten into? Um, I keep saying this, but I love that Jen is kind of an annoying person. Like, I am not annoyed by her. She annoys the people around her, especially mm-hmm. Bruce. But like, you very rarely get to see female characters be kind of chaotically irritating like it's a very it's a very tony thing um and i love that like it's it's very fun to watch um and i'm glad that they've gone in that direction and it really does feel like tatiana mosley is having a great uh a great time in her performance so i'm happy for her um yeah and my only other thing is that i hope wyatt wingfoot shows up who is a Fantastic Four character who then dated Jen for a long time in the comics, and I love him. Okay, he probably I, won't. I'm gonna, but I'm going to decline to ask because I don't know anything about him. I don't want to get spoiled. But we'll hopefully have you back on if that happens. And yeah, I, I I I really love the character. I hope the actress is having a great time. I would love to see her on the big screen, if nothing else, so that maybe we can get some better CGI. The CGI is much better than it was in that preview from a while ago. But still, I think yeah. uh, big budget CGI might be able to improve it even more. Um. Okay, and so I got to ask about the, uh, what, what was your, as someone who has enjoyed these questions yourself, and also, like you said, enjoy the fact that, like, there's some fourth, that, that, like, Jennifer is part of the comics world, and, and like, I kind of love, I, I don't want to give too much away from Ms. Marvel, but one of the things that was great about Ms. Marvel is that, I mean, if you know, read the comics, you know this, like, she is a fan herself. She's mm-hmm. a fan. So what was your take on the, um... Jennifer's attempt to learn information about Captain America. (laughs) I think it's extremely valid. I think that if (laughs) Captain America were real, I mean, first of all, many, 
millions of words have been written on the internet about uh, <laughs> Captain America's um, sexual pastimes, shall we say? There are reams and reams of fan fiction out there. Um, so I think that's indicative of the fact that this the, the people want to know. The people have opinions. So if you knew someone who knew Steve Rogers, you would... I mean, I would have a million questions. They wouldn't just be like, did he die a virgin? But (laughs) they would also, like, I would have many, many questions. But that would be one of them because, like, Mm -hmm. have you seen him? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I definitely get that. It was just something about, like, I've been in fan communities for such a long time now that I've been in those moments where something gets revealed. And, like, yeah, I think if it had been revealed in some other way – I absolutely can imagine some of my friends just throwing their hands up in the air going, Captain America, etc. And so seeing her do that was such a like, I just enjoy that we're now far enough into the MCU that the characters have been there enough that other people can be fans of them. And it mm-hmm. just feels like a stand in for like us as fans, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's like what Bruce says, he's been the Hulk for 15 years. And I was yeah. doing the math and I actually don't think that that checks out unless Unless I did my math wrong. Well, because he was present during the blip. Remember, this is all like five. This is all oh, the five years after us. Right. I forgot about the blip. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, the writers often forget about the blip, so it's okay. <laughs> well. um, yeah. I like that was crazy to me that it's been that yeah. long, and like obviously it has because the MCU blip aside, generally. Um, progresses in real time um mm. where it like it's just weird to me compared to comics where it's like i don't know how long has it been since the fantastic four first got their powers six months 18 months yeah. like they've got to compress it a lot um but yeah i do like that they're I mean, it's sort of like what you were saying about, like, you want stories about the law in a superhero universe to be about the law in a superhero universe. Like, how would having superheroes change everything, including how ordinary people respond to them as people? Yeah. Have you seen The Boys at all? I have not. Okay. It is not a happy, cheery-go-lucky show, and so I would not recommend it for everyone, but it... It does an awful lot to ask those questions, but does it in very like a very cynical way that I, that I largely agree with. But it's things like, you know, there's no more Olympics because mm. when people can run at super speed, who cares how fast? Like, so there's super speed competitions, but um, uh, and they do have fun things like teenage superhero boy bands that are phenomenally bad and wonderful. But it, it, yeah, I, I like seeing more of the worlds explored outside of the boys. Like, yeah, what would happen? And you know, we've seen a couple of times of like what prison systems would look like, but also, yeah, what are the, um, you know, Purple Man is so unrepentantly evil that it never comes up. But just the question of like, let's, you know, a person walking around with mind reading powers, how does that work in a world like is that person never allowed in a casino? Is that person never mm-hmm. allowed to, you know, be around other like I could say like. If Professor X is near me, is that violating my right to privacy? Like, there's all sorts of great legal yeah. questions that come up. All right, Jessica, thank you so much as always uh, for being a part of this. Um, so glad you got to be here. We'll definitely bring you back for for more on this character and other stuff coming up. Um, but uh, you're doing quite a lot with comic books outside of these podcasts, obviously. Um, I have not gotten my superhero fix, my Superman fix, in quite a while. Um, but uh, tell me more about what you're up to these days. Um, so I write about comics and other bookish things at bookriot.com. I actually have a couple of relatively recent um, articles about She-Hulk um, going over her first appearance and also um, why uh, cheesecake art featuring her is so much fun um, mm-hmm. and playful and not gross the way it so often can be. Um I do have a podcast about Superman movies, as you alluded to, called Flights and Tights. Um, It is currently on hiatus, but um, my co-host and I did go through every Superman movie. And if they make another one, I'll suffer through it. 
they took all my childhood dreams of, of Christopher Reeve being the perfect Superman and ripped them to shreds. Um, <laughs> but I learned an awful lot, so I was glad for it. It's not his fault. I just don't love the way those movies are written, but he was wonderful in them. Um, and yeah, you can also find me on Twitter at Jess Plummer. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, definitely check those out. The podcast is great. The articles are, are really good. In particular, you'll have to dig back a little bit, but Jess did an article on the various fashion choices of Squirrel Girl over the years. That is just phenomenal. So check that out. And of course, you can check out all the things I'm doing by going to theethicalpanda.com. There you'll find the different podcasts I'm on, the uh, Star Wars Universe podcast. We're getting super excited for Andor, a show that's going to have a lot of great ethical questions that I can't wait to dig into. Uh, and most importantly, though, on that website, you can find all the ways to contact us. Facebook, email, Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts. What are you thinking about She-Hulk so far? Did you love the comics? Do you not know the comics? What do you think about these questions? Um, should she be a hero? Is it okay if she chooses to be an avocado at large uh, instead of a, uh, an attorney or you know whatever, uh, instead of the Hulk? Whatever she wants to do. Is she going to team up with Matt and Foggy? We'd love to get your thoughts. Find all this uh, contact information on theethicalpanda.com. I have myself, Jessica, everyone else involved. Thank you all so much. And as fans, be good to each other. Oh!